You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I'm seeing some uh, coaching pickups kind of trickle out this week on the social media. Yeah, it's it's all coming together in a not really clear kind of way. I remember hearing that this manager was going to get to go outside and, and grab people from outside the organization. I see Chris Johnson from down in Charlotte. There's an insular hire. He's going to be part of the coaching staff. So you're just taking the AAA yeah, guy and you're bringing him up. Insider, yeah. yeah, a little insider. Uh, the, the one that's really weird, there were, there were two of them. There was the Chris Johnson thing where I don't know if he'll be the hitting coach or the assistant hitting coach because I'm trying to figure out what this Mike Tozar title is. And I hope I say, I'm say i saying his name right. Okay, when the guy's not in my organization and he's a coach, there's a possibility I'm not saying it right. But uh, T-O-S-A-R, right. We'll, we'll I'm going to go with Tozar yeah. until somebody tells me otherwise. Uh, he... He's going Tuzar. to be Yeah, he's no, going to be know. the major league field coordinator for the White Sox. Right. He's going to tell the grass which way to face on the field. Yeah, I don't know what that does. He was expected to be the hitting coach, and I don't know if that's we're we're giving him a promotion because he's leaving one major league team and going to another, so we have to give him a different kind of title. I have no idea what that's going to be, but he is coming along from Kansas City. And then we have Chris Johnson coming up from AAA. So nothing exciting. Like nothing nothing that blows my socks off so far with the coaching staff. I didn't expect anything to do it, but at least they're they're coming through with what I expected after the hire. It's hard to say, you know, what they're going to do until until we see I think the coaching staff completely filled out, everybody's titles there, and we know who is in what place and what position, and we still see Daryl Boston at first base. <laughs> it's coming. We I'm just telling won't you. know. I'm telling I mean, you. He's gonna be over there with a fake mustache and be telling everybody he's uh, he's Barrel Dawson, Davy Windsor, or something like that. Right, he's gonna, something, you know. There's no way he's not on the staff. I guarantee it. My, my uh, name is Dagwood Salem. Can you just get out of Massachusetts, there, my friend? Okay. This episode of Socks in the Basement and every episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions, Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation Crack Repair, Yard Draining Systems, Gutter Cleaning. You name it, they do it. Everything to keep water out of your basement, protect your foundation. Mention Socks in the Basement, you get additional money off. 708-330-4466. That's the 24/7 number. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. So for the next two episodes, this one and the next one, I want to take a a good look at the White Sox roster where it is right now as we sit here at the 9-foot homemade oak bar on Thanksgiving week. We're going to talk turkey about the the players that are here. Oh, please don't do this for the entire show. No more puns. We're going to be stuffing it full of facts and and, and opinions. Stop yourself. I'm going to douse myself in cranberry sauce before Chris kicks me out of the bar. We're going to take a look at the 35 men on the 40-man roster. And we're going to identify right now where everybody slots. And we're going to try to figure out who we trust and who we don't trust. And I think this is a great basis to try to figure out what happens going forward. Especially because this isn't going to be a roster that gets a lot of turnover. I mean, I I think the 35 guys we're looking at right now, you're going to see some guys added to the 40-man the roster. But... I don't see there being we, – we, we know that with the payroll issues and everything, you're just not going to get a huge influx, right? So uh, isn't it possible that, that 
you're going to have a, a, an active roster that's made up of the guys that are here. Pretty much unless you make trades, which they could do. I just don't know uh, how confident I am in the general manager to make the moves that he says that he's going to go out and make. That's a wait and right. see for me. Uh, but as, as we sit here and we look at it, we're, we're talking about a team that just non-tendered a few White Sox players. I understood Adam Engel. Adam Engel's like a, a career below average OPS hitter who can play some defense who was a bright spot and had some some really nice numbers in 19 and 2020 and 21 from certain sides of the plate and then regressed back to what Adam Engel is and has had a hard time staying healthy. So I get it. Uh, Danny Mendick, I don't get. No. Danny Mendick expected to make $1 million and he was your best second base option currently on the 40-man against right-handed pitchers with at least an average OPS, and he had a very high-end production level against left-handed hitters in 2022. And we're, we're talking about a guy who plays very good defense. I mean, look at it. Against left-handed pitching, against right-handed pitching, and in the field, clearly the better player than Larry Garcia. And Larry Garcia ended up with a three-year Five and a half million dollar per year contract, and we can't give Danny Mendick the expected one million dollars in arbitration. And the only reason I can come up with is that just White Sox management doesn't want to listen to you complain that Mendick should be in the lineup all year long, like because he's done far more. Not not only last year, but if you just look at their career numbers, he's a better hitter against right-handed pitching, and he's a, he's a better defensive player, and they're pretty close against left-handed handed pitching in their career against each other. He's the better player. The one guy got this deal that made no sense and will still be on this roster unless they can find some sucker to take him and, and they would have to just fold him into a deal like we described on the last episode of Socks in the Basement. The other guy, you can't give him $1 million in arbitration. If I were Danny Mendick, when the White Sox called back this year and tried to sign him for less, I would tell him to go jump. I wouldn't even talk to him. I'd go someplace else. Unless there's no other option, and I could make another roster on another Major League Baseball team, I'd be like, you know what? You don't like me? You like that other guy? I'm going to go someplace else. I wouldn't fault Danny Mendick for that at all. Well, and again, you know, to your point, when you're comparing and contrasting Danny Mendick and Adam Engel, there's some sense. A, a, a Ostensibly, your fourth, fifth outfielder, who's a guy who's over 30, is really becoming a never was instead of a has been, uh, and, and had his moment a couple of years ago where maybe he was trade bait versus Danny Mendick, who was in the midst of a breakout last year, right? When he got hurt, he was emerging as a steadying presence in the infield, both defensively and offensively. And Tony had finally given him the opportunity to play every day. He was going to be the guy going forward. Then he blows the knee, and now he's just got to prove that he's healthy. And I can understand to a certain degree if the non-tender is because he's not going to play this year because his leg is that bad or something like that. I get that. Then. There may be some sense to that, but we haven't heard anything to the, the, to that extent. All we've heard is so far that he's non-tendered and that the Sox are not in a position to go out and sign major free agents this year in all likelihood because they're, they're just not going to have the, the payroll room. And Mendick joins Jose Abreu and Adam Engel and A.J. Pollock and you know, just guys that are out the door now, Johnny Cueto potentially. And and even with that, with Cueto, you're still got a guy, you know, Ethan Katz is out there saying we need another starting pitcher. So, so there is, I think there's a lot of things here where we have to look at who's here and are there trustworthy people 
that can fill players that can fill these holes, that can fill the gaps in the lineup, because if there's not, that's where we need to identify and hope that Rick Hahn can pull off a trade or that there's money found in the budget to find someone competent, if not good, to put in there. Yeah, and so what we'll do is we'll start off on this show looking at position players, and uh, next episode we'll look at pitchers, and we're going to try to figure out who you trust on this White Sox staff. And, and you know, I'm going to probably take a rosy view on some players, and I'm waiting for you to throw cold water on me. That's, I mean, it's... Oh, I, sure. Let me let me play wet blanket. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're probably going to be the one. Like, I want to see whether or not you agree with me here, because I've sat down and kind of looked at it, and, you know, the way we're going to kind of judge these guys is we all know who's good defensively and who isn't. We, we, I think it's pretty, pretty much a given with a lot of these players. I think most White Sox fans know, do I trust this guy defensively or not? Offensively, we could take a little bit of a deeper dive. I know you can go into WRC plus. I, I know you can look at a guy's overall B war or F war, but I want to look at production at the plate and I want to look at splits and I want to look at their OPS, which is their slugging and their on base percentage a little bit as well here when we try to identify the lineup. Well, here, here's the here's the thing with with the defense. I can identify one guy, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's only one guy on the team that projects to be an everyday starter that you would sit there and say his defense is, at least right now, the thing that's carrying him over his bat, and that's Yohan Moncada. That's it. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not the only good defensive player. Luis Robert is a very good defensive player. He just, but Luis Robert, we expect at this point, we expect there to, 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 you know, to be an offensive component to him. And we're hoping for Yohan Moncada to rebound, of course, but. Luis Robert, his bat could be just as dynamic as his defense. But other than that, I mean, really, Tim Anderson, we know what he is. We know what the catchers are. We know what your first basemen are. We know that the outfield, the corner outfielders are basically first basemen that shouldn't be out there. So defensively, I don't think there's any discussion to be had, really, because we don't have an Ozzie Guillen-type guy, okay, who are sitting there going, this guy's defense, I don't care what he does offensively. Even in the case of Yohan Moncada, I do care what he does offensively, and in the case of Luis Robert, his defense, I think, is just the the you know the gravy on top of the bird. All right, before we get into this, I want to remind everybody that you can switch to a new age of life, keep grandma and grandpa, mom and dad out of assisted living. Uh, if you've had a surgery, if you if you got uh, some other medical issues, the place to go right now on the south side is Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. Uh, they're going to keep you independent in the home. They're going to make the home into a smart home. They got apps that open and close doors and lifts that bring you from the first floor to the second floor, the ramps outside, the specialized beds and chairs. Uh, they also have the latest in CPAP technology for those of you with sleep apnea. They have testing rooms. They're going to get the best and most out of your machine. They have the best in diabetes control as well and so much more. See what they have to offer. HHME.com. They're going to work with your insurance, keep the costs low, and if you mention socks in the basement, they will take additional money off. Why talk to somebody on the phone or on the internet? Go in and see them. Conveniently located in Evergreen Park at 3518 West 95th Street. So I looked at this team from top to bottom, and the biggest thing that you are going to miss next year is going to be Jose Abreu. And I tried to rank the hitters on this team, and I had him as the second-best hitter going into 2023 because I think Aloy Jimenez, if healthy, has eclipsed Jose Abreu when you look at the 2022 numbers and you look at just the eventual decline. Abreu is a very good hitter, but you know they both were basically the same versus left-handed pitching last year, and Jimenez was better against right-handed pitching. But after that, that's going to be a big thing you're going to have to replace. And they're not going out and bringing him back. 
and there's all this debate online as to what they should do, the decision's made. When you sit there and say you're going from $196 million last year as your payroll to $180 on opening day, you can't bring him back unless he says he'll come back for $5 million. And he ain't coming back for $5 because he's worth more. He's not doing that. And the Padres are already talking to him if you actually look at, at, at MLB trade rumors. There's multiple teams that can't wait to bring him on. He's going to make a lot of money. And he's going to have a great chance of going to a World Series with a team other than the White Sox. And shame on the White Sox that that's how this is all going to work out. But that's just the reality of the situation. But when I sit here and I look at this team, I want to give you a quick overview and then we can kind of dive into it. I looked at how guys performed in 2022. First off, this team was kind of back to that shortened season in 2020. Remember that? When they just killed left-handed pitching. Yeah. and they But they struggled against right-handed pitching. They were really back to that. And they were worse against right-handed pitching. And they were maybe even better against left-handed pitching. They just didn't get a lot of left-handed pitchers that faced them. Like, Major League Baseball figured it out. I think multiple times during the season last year where we pointed it out, like, well, you're not going to see that pitcher. Like, teams were changing around their rotations and adjusting to the White Sox when they needed to because they know this team is heavy on one side and light on the other side. But if I look at last year's stats the couple years before that, and career numbers, this is how I would map out this team right now, and then we can dive into it. At catcher, I would say Yasmani Grandal, even having a terrible year last year, was still above average against left-handed pitchers, and he was below, that's where he really got killed, against righties. If he comes back this year and he just bounces back to being average, then he can start. He's your starting catcher, because he's going to be the starter against left-handed pitching for his bat. But, if he doesn't come back, if he's really dead, Zebi Zavala last year demonstrated that he can at least be an average hitter and do well behind the plate against righties. And you get a platoon between those two guys. When I look at first base, Andrew Vaughn should be above average, okay, high end against left-handed pitching and should be slightly above average, league average against right-handed pitching without a problem whatsoever. I expect him to do that at a minimum this year. I look at Romy Gonzalez as the second baseman. I think he's clearly the guy. I think he did very well against lefties. He's below average against righties, but he's got better shot than anybody else that's left looking at career numbers and what they did last year and what they did down in the minors. He would be the odds-on favorite. I don't know what's going to happen in spring training, but he's the odds-on favorite right now at second base. Moncada actually did well against lefties and was terrible against righties, much like Grandal. If he just comes back close to his norm and his average against righties with that defense, he's your third baseman. He's your third baseman because you're paying him all that money. That's where he is. Anderson, if he just returns back, not to what he was when he was, you know, winning batting titles, but just to what he's capable of, okay? He doesn't need to be special. He just needs to be good. He's going he's gonna to do well against lefties. He's going to be above average against righties. Jimenez, we've talked about him. Uh, Robert is the he's the best guy on the team right now, I would say, against left-handed pitchers. He's one of the best guys on the team against right-handed pitchers. If he is healthy, he's one of your best hitters on your team. You can make the argument he and Jimenez will be the best two hitters on your team. The thing that I look at in the outfield, though, I look at against right-handed pitching right now, you're, and, and I'm assuming Oscar Colas is coming up and playing right field. Against right-handed pitching, I would assume Jimenez is your DH, Sheets right now is standing in left because Colas is in right, Roberts in center. And against left-handed pitching, Jimenez could play the field against lefties, and you could put Jake Berger in at DH where he mashed against left-handed pitching, and you sit down Sheets because he's terrible against it. And all those names that I mentioned, 
along with Larry Garcia, who's a bad penny and isn't going anywhere and will be sitting on the bench. Those are 12 of the 13 spots currently on your roster, and there's one open spot. That's how I would look at this team, looking at what is currently on the 40-man roster. That's my overview. Does anything stand out to you? Do you have any questions about that? Does that make sense? No, it, I mean, it all makes sense. You know, you could, I think you could see Carlos Perez, you know, for example, or, or some other catcher come in and challenge Sebi Zavala potentially. Um, and because and, and, you could also see Sebi go back to, uh, you know, a, a lower batting average, higher power output type of swing that he used to have. I agree with you on Romy Gonzalez as the second baseman going into it because it's almost by default. He is the veteran of that group. It would have been Mendick if they would have kept Mendick around. He was better than Gonzalez at the plate last year. No, no doubt in my mind it would have been Mendick if he was around. Um, but Romy is the veteran minor leaguer, if that makes sense. Okay, he's the guy that's had a couple of cups of coffee. Sosa, I, I honestly, I, I can't tell you what I think of Lennon Sosa because what he, what he was given, the opportunity he was given in the majors was so minute that – it really just doesn't – it's not enough to, to make a judgment call on. And I'm not sure spring training is going to be enough to make a judgment call on. So I think second base remains a big hole that they could fill with a veteran and do well to do so if they want to win this year. But if you want to give one of the young guys a shot, that's that's a spot to do it. Colas, I have already outlined where, for example, versus Lennon Sosa, one of the keys that I look at with minor leaguers – is how much they caid, how 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 their strikeouts were down in the minors because they're always going to strike out more in the majors. You just it's an upgrade in pitching all the way around. And Oscar Colas, kind of a strikeout guy down in the minors last year. Sosa not so much. I do worry that Oscar Colas is going to come out and get that chance to play every day, but he's going to strike out too much to really be productive. So th- those are those are the wet blanket moments. Now let me give you the 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 parts that I think are actually good here. I do think that Yasmani Grandal and Yohan Moncada will get a little bit of a bump in production from the changes in the, the rules as far as shifting. Okay. They need to hit the ball out of the ballpark. You cannot not have a third baseman who is hitting singles. You can't have a catcher who you are paying the biggest contract in the history of your, of your team for a position player, to, you know, to sit there and hit singles. But I do think that that's going to help, open some stuff up for them in terms of a better batting average, maybe a few more RBI opportunities, things like that. I don't have a problem with Andrew Vaughn. I think, I think Vaughn could still in two years time be listed as the best hitter on the team all around. Okay. In terms of average power production, just everything. I think Vaughn still has that opportunity to grow into being the best hitter on the team along with Luis Robert. So you've got all these pluses, and you've got a guy like Tim Anderson who really, I mean, other than the injuries, Tim Anderson didn't fall apart too much last year and, and didn't fall off. So there's a lot to build around here. It's just the question, I think, is you're relying in right field and at second base and, and as a fourth outfielder, too, because we don't really have a fourth outfielder in that discussion, do we? Yeah, that's what you're going to have to add to this team. That's that 13th spot has got to be a fourth outfielder because it shouldn't be Garcia standing out there. No, and you can't rely on on just rotating Vaughn and Sheets and and Jimenez around Oscar Colas and and Luis Robert. So there's there's an opportunity there for another outfielder to come in that might be a platoon partner, for example, with Gavin Sheets in a lineup where your catching duo can, like you said, be 
at least replacement level, if not slightly above, against right-handed pitching and will destroy lefties, have a first baseman who is an up-and-comer who is good all the way around, and, and his primary backups are guys that either mash lefties and Jake Berger or, or you know, are, are your lefty thunder in Gavin Sheets. You have Tim Anderson, who's still a star. You have Yon Moncada, who needs to be at least average at the plate to have that good defense carry him and, and have some semblance of, of worth of, uh, against his contract. You still have a budding superstar in center field in Luis Robert. You still have a budding superstar in your DH and Aloy Jimenez, who will also play some in the field. Oscar Colas is supposedly one of your best prospects, so you should be excited about that being the guy that steps in. There is still a lot to like, and really all you're asking for is Romy Gonzalez to come up and be an average second baseman, a good defensive second baseman with an average bat. And I think Romy Gonzalez could do that very easily. I think Lennon Sosa could do that very easily as well. And I can imagine you sitting at uh, Hailstorm Brewing Company right now, just like telling an entire bar full of people that it was like, like just all your thoughts on the entire team. Like, I mean, that that would be after a couple of beers, but I mean, that would be, that sounded like some bar room, like, what do you think about the team? And then the guy talks, just, just goes off. He just goes top to bottom and just like, this guy's good. This guy sucks. This guy could be great. I love it. If you want to go and sit down and have a conversation with somebody, the best place to do it, Hailstorm Brewing Company, Tinley Park, 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. They got a new brewer at the beginning of the year, and Will Turner has been kicking some butt up there. Some great, great beers, and the, uh, the, the favorites that have been up there for years are still available to you. Live music on the weekends, trivia nights, all kinds of fun events. If it's not like... 20 degrees outside. I'm sure they still have the fire pits going as well. And it's stout season. And I also know that they're having a couple of like festivals and uh, Christmas markets. Make sure you check out everything at hailstormbrewing.com and visit them today in Tinley Park, 8060, 186th Street. Let's talk about Oscar Colas here just for a second because I kind of like went over him real quick with the assumption that he's going to be the right fielder. And I, it's because I don't see any other option. And he's not even on your 40 man yet. You have 35 no. on your 40, man. <laughs> he's, he's not on it yet. I expect him to be added. When you look at his one year, one year in the minors where he spent some time at single A, double A, triple A, his numbers are pretty similar at every level. And I think that's why there's a, a reason to have some confidence in him because he never really ran into a roadblock yet. 951 across all of his minor league stops. That was his OPS against left-handed pitching. 879 against right-handed pitching. He's a left-handed hitter. You would have thought that would have been flipped, right? So here's a guy that doesn't look like a platoon player in any way. And even if I sit there and say, okay, fine, I expect some regression. I'll take 100 points off of those OPSs and have him hit 851 OPS against lefties and 779 against righties in his rookie season, and I'd be perfectly happy. You think the strikeouts well, would, would be that bad that it would lower even more than 100 points off on each side with his OPS? I think the power is there. I think his ability to get extra base hits is there. So I think you're going to see a good slugging percentage from him no matter what. Okay. okay. You just think he's going to his average is going to be low. His on-base percentage is going to be kind of low. He's going to lose that 100 points mostly with the on-base percentage because it's on-base percentage and slugging put together to come up with OPS. That's where he's going to get hit the most and he's going to frustrate you. That's what you think. That's what I think. And and here's the thing. Now, if you look at, for example, uh, you know what he does. Now, he played in Japan for a while too, right? So his foreign stats are a 282 batting average with an 826 OPS. 
And strikeouts are, you know, still a factor for him, uh, but not, they're, they're not a killer, okay? So he's striking out 21% of the time in the foreign leagues. So he's always going to be a high strikeout guy. If he can get that to that level, okay, that's the kind of production I would, I would sit there and say we can, we can look towards and expect from him, and I would take that on this team. Absolutely. I think we're... Where you have to watch it with Oscar Colas, with, with any prospect really, okay? But where you have to watch it with Oscar Colas coming up is if you are expecting him to hit 314 with an OPS around 900. No. I don't think that's realistic in any way, shape, or form, and I don't think that's who he is, okay? I do think that if he comes up and hits 275 and has an OPS in the 800s, and even if he strikes out a bunch, uh, that is a huge win for them, for right field, uh, for this team. Uh, and especially if he can do it, as you say, as he's done, with sort of the reverse, uh, you know, the reverse splits, where he is capable of hitting lefties, because that's what kills Gavin Sheets, isn't it? Gavin Sheets isn't a bad hitter. Gavin Sheets is kind of worthless against left-handed pitching. But here's the funny thing about Sheets. Last year, Sheets only hit 736 OPS against righties. That's basically average for the league. You know, so I mean, like he had in 21, in 2021, in the sample size that he had in 2021, he was a masher. But in the time that he had in 2022, he basically was average against righties and really, really bad against left-handed pitchers. Like you wouldn't even send him out there against them, right? So like he's a guy that would be a fourth outfielder. I think the biggest mistake right now would be to start your season without another starting outfielder and relegate him to a roll off the bench. That's what I would do with Gavin Sheets. He should not be the guy. Like right now, I have to slot him as the starting left fielder on this team. That's gross. Like he's probably a great guy. Okay. I got no problem with him personally. And he's definitely a major league baseball player, but I should not be slotting him based upon what he brings to a team, which is poor outfield defense, can't hit any left-handed pitching and was basically average against right-handed pitching in terms of what numbers he put up last year that that is not a starting left fielder on a team that wants to convince me through their propaganda media that they're going to contend for a world series or at least win their division or whatever it is they're going to try to tell us is their is their plan for this year we won't hear it at Sox fest because there is none but at some point it'll get filtered out through the jerry reinsdorf media network and we're all going to find out what we're supposed to expect from this team yeah and you're also you know, if you flip it around and you say, okay, well, we're going to have Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets as our platoon first baseman, and we're just going to commit to Andrew Vaughn in the outfield. And I know that that's not been the discussion, okay? I, you know, I understand that Vaughn is penciled in as the first baseman in just about every every word and avenue that we've, we've discussed the offseason. But if you're going to say that Sheets, who's a natural first baseman, and, and Berger, who's probably better suited to that side, he's a little bit of an adventure over at third. If you're going to put those two guys as your first baseman, I would I would kind of bristle at that too because in terms of championship-level production, again, nothing against Jake Berger, great guy. Nothing against Gavin Sheets, great guy. Nothing against either of these guys in terms of their potential you know, playing careers, but what they've shown us so far to rely on that and to rely on the idea that these guys are going to kick it up to a level where the Dodgers are playing Freddie Freeman at first base. It's a premium offensive position. And you've got Matt Olson in Atlanta, right? 
You've got, um, you know, Pete Alonso sitting over at first base for the Mets. You know, think about all the first basemen. Jose Abreu falls into that category. A two-headed monster of Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets hasn't shown us enough yet to sit there and say that this is a, a championship-level first-base production. And, and essentially that's what, if we walked into the season right now, other than the odd Adam Hazleys or Mark Paytons or whatever, you know, minor league guys, you know, quad A guys that they, they kind of shuttle in and out, other than guys like that, really what you're talking about doing is you're talking about saying Berger, like you said, Berger and Sheets sort of have to form a platoon there. And I'm okay. I, I like Gavin Sheets on the team, especially if you can pick his spots as a backup outfielder, as a backup first baseman, as a backup DH, where you can use him. You know, Pedro can put him in where the stats and the 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 metrics make sense to put that guy in. That's a dangerous guy, okay, when he's when he's used properly. But right now, if you're gonna if we're talking about having to play Gavin Sheets every day, pretty much, and I don't think that that's I don't think that that's workable. Remember that the $1,000 guest bounty is ongoing. We received a few more people that reached out with uh, folks that they think they can get on the show. We're, we're in the process of, of, of working through all of that. It does not need to be a baseball person, okay? It could be completely unrelated to baseball. It could be a baseball player that doesn't play for the White Sox, but it has a Chicago connection. We've had a few of those sent our way. So it'll be interesting to see how this all comes together over the next couple of months. The best guest of the offseason presented by a listener gets that listener $1,000 cash money. And it's all brought to you by the law offices of Parente and Norum. When you've been injured, you need a team. Uh, they have the experience, dedication, and proven results it takes to get you the care and compensation you deserve. They've gotten over $400 million for their injured clients. You're a lawyer. You ever get $400 million for anybody? Nope. <laughs> no, because you wouldn't be doing a podcast if that were the case. Uh, for a free case right. evaluation, Socks in the Basement listeners, call or text them today, 312-641-5926 or visit pninjurylaw.com. So I look at this roster then, and I go back to a name that you brought up last year that's a free agent that you just wish they would spend the money and go get, right? Because if I'm going to accept Colas in right field and we're trying to figure out left field and we don't want to go with Gavin Sheets, I know he doesn't bring a lot of home runs, but wouldn't Andrew Benatendi look solid with a 812 OPS against right-handed pitching last year, standing in left field, a 318 batting average against right-handed pitching and against lefties at least hit 270 with a 675 OPS. Like he he's not going to play every day. You'll rest him once or twice a week against lefties. You may not play him, you might play him, but he's somebody who's who's better than most options you have right there. Wouldn't a guy like that be great if you could just open up your wallet and like act like a contending baseball team in a major market? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what even the Michael Conforto conversations that were were being had before his shoulder injury basically wiped him out of the season last year. You want a guy who has this, the potential to be above average, okay? And not necessarily a superstar. I don't I don't know that I I care if the White Sox were even in the conversation with Aaron Judge, even if they were going to spend the money. And and I'm not saying that because I'm sitting there going like, oh, Judge is, you know, well, he's not any good, or I'm not being stupid about it. No, of he's great. great. I would take Aaron Judge right now. Give him to me. Open up your wallet, Jerry, and get me Aaron Judge. It's not going to happen, but I want it. Yeah, I, but I also understand that there's, there's only a handful of teams, realistically, in the majors that are going to be able to approach what Judge wants. And... The Sox, I'm not even sure the Cubs in in this market, even in the number three market, are, are those teams. Uh, you know, I know they're they're tied to it, but let's face it, the Dodgers and Yankees are probably the two teams that are, and the Mets are probably the teams that are really 
have that kind of cash. So there's, there's, you know, something to be said though, about for the rest of the, of the major leagues about not going after, you know, putting all your eggs in the Aaron judge basket, but just even sitting there saying a Ben Intendi, who is a guy who once upon a time was considered to be a bit of a star, uh, you know, is, is still a very competent, very good major league player and has shown it, showed it last year over the course of two different teams would be wonderful as, as a guy that is just in the, somewhere in the lineup. Okay. There is something to be said about those guys. You, you had that in 2005 where you had a guy like Carl Everett, who is not a star at that point, but is very competent at the plate, right? Uh, even A.J. Przinsky, not necessarily a star in terms of his batting average and, and what he brought offensively, but was just very, very good. So you could put him out there without thinking about it, right? And that's all you want. You just The Sox need a couple of guys that they don't have to think about. And they, they right now they need it at second base. They kind of need it in left field or right field or both corner outfield spots. And you wish you were thinking less about catcher in third. Real quick, yes or no, Cody Bellinger, would you want him? No, I think the guy is mentally broken. I, I don't think there's a physical thing wrong with that guy. I think his head is so far screwed up, it still appears to be attached to his neck. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.